0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Welcome to Bug Eye's Rock Pop Rambles. I'm Angela from the band Bug Eye. And this week, who else is on the show? (laughs) Who is it? I i'm on the show she's but not who dead I?
2: she's it's, <laughs> they didn't kill me she's I was, not <laughs> <laughs> i was genuinely well a friend right told me that i should be scared and i didn't know why <laughs> um and then i listened to one of the which episode was it? it was the one with you and paula
1: it's a couple of episodes ago yeah
2: um where you were you were threatening to kill me but no, i wasn't
1: I just because you hadn't been on the show for a couple oh, you, of episodes. Oh no! You,
2: yeah, you're right. You weren't threatening to kill me. You were just suggesting I may have died.
1: And be and you were under my patio.
2: Yeah.
1: And then but, I sent um, you a message saying, "Do you want to come over? I'm doing some gardening at the weekend, Kerry. Do you want to come over?" For a
2: beer? <laughs> Which was before I'd listened to it, and I was just like, "What is happening?" Um, but no, um, not dead, still alive, um, or maybe this is my ghost. Who knows? Um, I mean, that would be impressive. It, Anything is possible in 2020. I mean, that's
1: a spin-off podcast, isn't it? That you know, I'm speaking to Kerry from from the other side. <laughs> Beyond the
2: grave, the yeah. séance episode. Yeah, and our guests, <laughs>
1: our guests could all be other ghosts.
2: Um, yeah, we can we bring? We can talk to yeah, all the all the dead
1: who, rock stars. Who who would you bring back? I Not
2: don't know. We back, could do but,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> the, the first thing that occurred to me was we could do like a 27 Club episode with all the members of the 27 Club
1: be really sad that one
2: would it don't know well oh. it's be a party
1: well, yeah, well it depends what would do ghosts take on well no they don't know that i suppose it'll be wearing white dresses wouldn't they they're all like turning into ladies in white dresses from the victorian era isn't that's 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 the kind of dress <laughs> that's, how code. It, that's
2: how it that's how it works right you die oh, is, and yeah. go back
1: in time <laughs> all all of the ghosts all the stories you hear of ghosts it's always some woman in a white dress. So
2: basically, nobody actually dies, it's just time travel. Time travel
1: no. exists. No, baby ghosts, there was like a narrow window in which you could become a ghost, and so it was uh, this is going off on something. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't really know it. where
2: we're trying to go with this.
1: <laughs> we've got a guest, we've got a guest who's actually sitting in the wings. If we had wings oh, well, I'm, I'm not here. a
0: Victorian ghost.
1: She's not. She's not. And we're very, very proud to say we have Cassie from Loud Women on the show. Hey, Cassie. Hello. Thank you so much for having me along. Well, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm dead. Honestly, we're dead pleased to to have you have you on. your just such an inspirational character. Character. Yes. Um, out there <laughs> doing doing so many amazing things. So how how's your week week? It's only Monday. How's Monday been for you?
0: How's my, oh, is it only Monday? Jesus, um, but my my week has, has been less than inspirational so far. I've I've mostly been job hunting. Um, mm. As I was just mentioning, I was made redundant very recently, so uh, job hunting and uh, doing the school run, which is, yeah. which is my life now. So I'm a full time mummy um, or a full time musician. Um, as as I am kind of describing myself, I, I think,
2: think I right. think I def I that's definitely the right way to look at it. <laughs> I, I think so. I'm not I'm not unemployed. I'm just a full time musician. <laughs>
1: oh dear. Look, we feel really sad the fact that we were actually all going to meet up rather than do this remotely um, today. Let's start having guests over at the the studio, but um, but I had to take a little Beth for a COVID test today. Not that I think she's got it but she's got a cough and that means that she can't go to nursery and yada 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 so we're doing it all remotely rather than getting drunk in person over many bottles of wine which we'll have to do at some point soon Another time Yeah. I mean,
2: Zoom biz, something that we never would have considered before 2020 but now it's where it's at apparently.
1: Oh well, I'm a bit bored of those though, you can't know it was alright for a moment it. Was okay for it, was,
2: it. it it was better than nothing for like a minute right and then yeah. it, um got old real fast
1: yes yeah. yes it yeah
0: it's, it's my birthday in a couple of weeks and i i'm going out with like two friends rather than having kind of zoom beers because yeah. I,
1: I, I, I yeah I, I want to be outside yes. <laughs> i want to see the sky now. Yeah, exactly. But do it while you can, right? You know. Um, yeah, I mean, unless we get kind of locked down in the next
0: couple of weeks, which which could happen, I'll
1: Hopefully be devastated not. if that happens. So, as a band, um, normally Bug Eye obviously would would have been off. We do probably a couple of tours, one at the start and one towards the end of the year, or whatever. Um, and because we haven't done that this year, we thought, well, let's let's do a kind of Airbnb. Thing and just all get together and uh, go out for food and drinks and just hang out because we haven't been able to do that much and uh, that's in a couple of weeks time and my fear is that it's going to be to do, do it. zoom beers I, I, I,
2: re- <laughs> I, I reckon I might genuinely there might be a little tear I might have a little cry if we're not able to do it if I'm honest
1: Oh, me too <laughs> oh god Uh, yeah fingers fingers crossed but anyway so this is a podcast where there's always two members of bug eye on the show and we normally each come with a story from the world of rock and pop we sometimes have guests come on the show that can talk a bit about the work that they're doing that we think is quite inspirational and bring along some new music that they've discovered recently or bands that they think should be um, listened to by the world, so giving them a bit of exposure. So today we're going to be talking about the birth of Riot Girl, and I hope that I can I can do the story justice. But before we dip into that, I think we should have a bit of a chat with Cassie. Um, so Cassie, loud women, we obviously know, but that's about as do many, many, many people, but you know, for our listeners that may not have heard of Loud Women, do you want to just summarise what's that, what that, what it is? Loud
0: Women is a, a group that started about five years ago now. In fact, it will be our fifth birthday um, coming up um, next couple of weeks. Um, it's October 2015. Um, it kind of started off as just one gig that I wanted to put on basically as an excuse for for my band to play with other women we were kind of getting um really frustrated at always kind of being bottom of the bill to a load of blokes or you know always being the, the kind of tope, token female band on on a lineup to kind of make it more diverse or whatever um, so we, we just wanted to kind of play with our friends basically so um put on put on a gig and it was great uh, so we put on another one <laughs> the next month and it's kind of kept going like that, really. Um, and around the gigs has built this, this kind of world has, has kind of evolved. Um, so we've got a really active social media kind of community, um, a really kind of useful um, group on Facebook, especially for um, for musicians and kind of people working in music and um and people who, who want advice or looking for band members that kind of thing um, and we have a festival as well which will be our, our fifth festival coming up um, which has kind of got bigger and bigger every year um, and this year where it would have been it would have been the 12th of September this year it would have been but it wasn't obviously mm. like everything else it's got moved um, so we've, we've moved it to 20th of March next year hopefully fingers toes and everything kind of crossed that that can can go ahead um but yeah the festival has has kind of got bigger and bigger every year this 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 year or next year will be the the biggest so far we've got arts council funding in place to to help support that with lots of pr and um and uh, amazing bands from all around the world, hopefully, if they're allowed to get in the
3: country.
1: Well, this really, really has been building um, every year, getting more and more exciting. I mean, it was always an exciting proposition of like, the events that you've you've done. I've been along to a few of them, but the festival has certainly been growing, as you said. And you were even just um, featured in, in NME. There was a... You, the festival talks about an enemy, which I, you know, I was like, thank, you know, thank you enemy for finally covering some stuff that isn't like the 1975 or something like that. Mm-hmm. They and, noticed us. It's brilliant. Yeah, no, It's great. It's great. Not, not that you need their approval to, to do anything. But I suppose what I'm trying to say is that, you know, the message is getting out there and the interest is certainly... Certainly building and more and more people are hearing about it. I think it's it's the lineup from what I've seen so far is really dead exciting. Of course, because Bug Eyes on the bill. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was gonna say that sounded slightly big headed, but
1: <laughs> No, but there's, there's I mean Such come a on. great lineup. I mean, we're
2: on it. <laughs> we're on it, yeah.
1: No, that. but also outside of loud women, you've mentioned that you know you started it because being in a band yourself, you obviously felt some of the frustrations of the live music scene especially for, for women um you know and what that experience was it's quite a lot better and in the, in the last few years you, you must have noticed this as well yeah. but and in,
0: in, and kind of definitely in in the last five years it's become um you know more common to be on a lineup that is balanced at, at least um or you know or has more women on than, than men I think yeah. there's there's more female bands um kind of coming up through uh, different organizations especially in yeah. London um so uh, so yeah it's, it's definitely changed but yeah back in in 2015 it really kind of felt like we were just constantly being mismatched with these kind of rock boys um yeah <laughs> it was it was weird it was weird their their fans didn't want to see us our fans (laughs) didn't want to see the rock boys it was just odd
1: yeah no 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 I mean I I definitely yeah I mean I've I've seen a change in the last five years but I suppose what I would say is that I think that's that's a kind of grassroots level that you're seeing kind of loads of women in music and it feeling a bit more balanced but it's not kind of going up the chain, if that if that makes sense. Um, there are not as many women being so we had um uh, Vic Bain, who's the creator of the the F list, sharing some statistics of, you know, female artists being signed and being booked for festivals. So it kind of seems that we kind of sort of get to we hit a wall, I suppose, with with that. But hopefully things are are changing and it's not changing quick enough but you know exactly
0: um, well bands have got to start somewhere and yeah and unless they you know have somewhere to to play those first gigs yeah exactly play those those first festivals um and to kind of come up in a in a you know, positive and nurturing environment mm. then um then yeah then we're never gonna see women playing residents. yeah
2: yeah exactly the more of us that there are at that like you know bottom starting out
1: level then hopefully the more that's do eventually start to filter up right that but it just makes what um you're doing cassie really really important but um you're also in a band now aren't you i am i am i mean i doris
0: um, although we're not really doing much real band stuff at the moment, as no one is. Um, no, we're, exactly. podcasting. <laughs> we're Podcasting, podcasting, yeah.
1: which is podcasts are, are the new gigs, I think. Yeah, well, that's what you said to me? It's like every band's got a podcast now. It's like I know, I know. We just we just can't shut up. We're all just like been locked up. Got <laughs> we will something. be heard
2: somewhere <laughs> in some way.
1: <laughs> so before we get stuck into the story of Riot Girl. And have a bit of a discussion about that. We asked Cassie to bring along some music from the artists who are playing the Loud Women Festival in March next year. So you've uh, got a few tracks with you. Who are you going to play first?
0: Uh, how about um, the latest one from Bang Bang Romeo, as they are our our headliners? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, they've got a new song called
4: Starve. Starve yeah. Ooh, I think I smell really. Wave your flags up in the pollution Brothers and sisters We got a mission
0: so that was bang bang romeo's latest hit or
1: soon to be hit i'm sure called starve i think that's a brilliant song oh, she's just got such a powerful voice and it's, was, it's huge isn't it her voice
0: i can't i can't wait to be in a in a room with her
1: well like i said as a performer i mean i've seen bang bang romeo play a few times now and just the way that she can command an audience and I mean she did this whole thing where she went into the crowd and like the crowd just it was like moses parting the oceans <laughs> or something and and there she was and she just oh wow she's she is such a star
2: like yeah, she just is.
1: just fantastic and she's got something to say she's looks amazing sounds amazing she's just perfect
0: she's brilliant yeah I'm really excited that they that they're headlining the fest
1: me too me too where, where is the festival happening actually it's at 229. Uh, the venue is called 229, it's
0: central London. Um, and it's we, we always use venues that have got two stages. So yeah. they've generally got a, a kind of main big stage and a slightly smaller stage. Yeah. Um, and we felt with 229 as well, it's a bit bigger than venues used in the past, slightly bigger. Um, yeah. But it's, it's really accessible. Wheelchairs mm-hmm. can get in there, it's really close to the tube. Um, there's a separate kind of bar area that people can hang out in. Yeah, um, it's great. I can't. I can't wait to go. No, it's, it's, it's a really really. I cool can't wait. Day. I'm super excited. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. Really, really can't wait. Okay. So I think I think we've all heard of Riot Girl. Would you Would you say that's a fair assumption to make? I would hope so. I would. I would hope so. <laughs> but for those. But for those that don't. No, and there is a reason why i'm doing a little bit of this kind of educational bit because uh you know i certainly came to to riot girl late um rather than when it had first first began so riot girl was a feminist punk movement that begun during the sort of early 1990s wow. in the united states in olympia in washington and expanded to at least 26 other countries and it's described as combining feminism, punk music and politics. Uh, Riot Girls are known to hold meetings, start chapters and support and organise women in music as well. Um, and I suppose for, for me, and sort of coming to it, it started in early sort of 90s. And I, I guess I sort of came to Riot Girl perhaps in the late 90s. I suppose early 2000s was when I sort of discovered that even though I'd known some of some of the bands but but for me the, the term riot girl today um by some people is is often sort of placed into a bag of just being a music genre that that was it it was just like there was punk there was riot girl and and there's not really the the kind of level of information in the mainstream i don't think that's talked about what riot girl actually was and how it how it started. I mean, it was addressing issues such as rape, domestic abuse, sexuality, and racism, um, and it was a kind of subculture involving DIY ethics, fanzines, art, political action, and activism, rather than it just being someone in a punk band Thinking There was a whole. It was it was bigger than that. Um, and as I said I came to it quite quite late. I was sort of caught up in the sort of grunge scene, and then obviously Britpop um landed and i knew a lot of bands from that um but i didn't really know what right girl was and it wasn't until i was sort of exploring my sexuality in my teens um and started going to lesbian indie nights actually that i heard bands like sleet Kinney and bikini kill and you know huggy bear and, and a lot of the other bands that were that were there my, my kind of i'd heard of babes in toyland and Hole. And was fans of those bands, but kind of thought of them more as old. Oh, that's the grunge scene, rather than something called called Riot Girl. And I recently got the book Girls to the Front by um, Sarah Marcus. Have you have you read that? Yeah, yeah, great book. I haven't finished it yet. Um, I was power reading loads of it today and scribbling notes. It's like Angela, you're getting too involved. You're getting too involved. Um, because when i say i'm going to talk about right girl I'm, i'm talking about the very very beginnings of it and i've tried to not get stuck into any one person's story because i think there are lots of stories within this that are deserving of their own show so hopefully i can do this this justice and paint a nice picture of it but i'm known to get things wrong so please have big dirty buzzer ready to go. That's not right, Angela. That's the wrong year. Um, yeah. That's
2: that's my job to let you know when you're saying the wrong year or the wrong name. In
1: that, some cases. that nothing nothing in this story is about 1979. Let's just get that straight. Okay, so, so as, soon- <laughs> as soon as you hear me say 1979, you know that I fucked up.
2: <laughs> okay. just, just if, so I, you know, if I hear you say 1979 there will be some sort of buzzer sound so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and obviously you know there, there were many bands that, that played and influenced the creation of Riot Girls such as Susie and the Banshees, The Slits The Raincoats, Patti Smith, The Runaways X-Ray Specs and Women Before Them and so forth but with every sort of new with each new generation I suppose you could say um, there's a need to evolve and take the fight on with a refreshed look and a new energy um, and I think I think that's what Riot Girl did at that point and I suppose I want to talk after this about where we think it's it's going now and what the differences are today uh, but anyway so I've got a lot of information from the Girls to the Front book I also did a lot of reading on Wikipedia and some other sort of fanzine sites there's obviously some some great articles out there, The Guardian, uh, Rolling Stone magazine, Enemy. I'll put links to all of the things I have um, cited in, in this, in the show notes. There's also books, Shebop, which um, I've, I've read a number of versions of, of that book too and a, and a couple of others, and I'll put links, as say, in the show notes. So um, I suppose a lot of people think that Right Girl, and rightfully so, started with bikini kill but didn't start when the band was formed bikini kill that one of the key members um of the right girl movement or sort of you know people that kick-started it um was kathleen hannah and so let's go back to kathleen hannah she had read blood and guts in high school which was um, a novel by kathy acker um, and she was absolutely hooked on that has anyone read that book I have not I haven't. No, I haven't. It's on it's on my list now. I was gonna say it's um, now on my list. <laughs> exactly. Um yeah, and so Kathleen at the time, you know, she she'd read that book and she'd found it quite inspirational, and she had her own zine called Fuck Me Blind, which she published under the name Maggie Fingers. Anyway, during a sort of one sort of, sort of off conference with um a one to one conference with Kathy Acker as a guest teacher at Kathleen's College the seeds of forming a band were planted. So, you know, I'm just going to read a little bit from, from the book, which was, this is, this is in the words of Kathleen Hanna of how this conversation she said went that sort of planted those seeds of music in, in her brain. So Akka said, why are you writing? Why are you doing spoken word? And Kathleen said, I feel like my whole life no one ever listens to me. I want people to listen. Akka, if you want people to hear what you're doing, don't do spoken word because nobody likes spoken word. Nobody goes to spoken word. There's more community of musicians and writers. You should be in a band. I think that's true. What do you think about spoken word? Oh. <laughs> I mean, I know it's in music now. I'm not talking about it being in music, but, you know, I've been to loads of spoken word nights and... I don't know. I've never seen, I've
0: seen yeah. some really good spoken yeah. word. Um, but, yeah, I I, I would much rather listen to a band
2: I think the world of uh of spoken word can be a bit hit and miss I mean as can the world of bands but yeah I think somehow there is a wider appeal to to music and bands than there is to to spoken
1: word but yeah so so basically Kathleen Hannah actually started out writing poems and and doing this zine and and talking about this stuff and I never knew that actually until until I read I read this book but that was sort of where it all began but it wasn't just about spoken word and and the thoughts of of forming a band for kathleen hannah she was also um heavily into art and and how that influences um uh society essentially and so at college she and a friend staged an exhibition in the hallway there it wasn't like a kind of huge thing they just put some artwork up at a cafeteria and that, that artwork was was taken down quite quickly by the, the people that ran the college. They thought that it was could be seen as quite offensive. One of Kathleen's pieces was um, like a photo of her in her childhood, of her in a bikini and a tiara with with a kind of, sort of I don't know, pageant sash, I suppose you could call it, on. And in the background, she had, had done this kind of um, scrawl of saying like, slut, 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 slut. On there, and that was seen as very offensive. But then that that was inspiration for her and her collective friends to then open their own art gallery. But it soon dawned on them that um, running a feminist art gallery won't just pay for itself and would soon be closed down. So they then decided that what they wanted to do was start putting on gigs for bands that they knew, but do something where, you know, women could perform in a safe space. But they would, they would still also have, um have you know, male bands there. I mean, Nirvana played there and, and things like this. And they had lots of bands that were touring. So Babes in Toyland played, The Go Team played there, um, and Nirvana. And what I didn't realise was Nirvana used to be called Industrial Nirvana. Did you know that?
2: I didn't know that.
1: No, I didn't know that at all. I hope that's true. I hope I didn't, like, misread a... I really I really hope words. you've just
2: I really hope that's what's happened and that you've just made up a completely false fact. <laughs> <laughs> it it has very happened. very possible. It's, yeah, very, it's very possible. possible.
0: <laughs>
1: but I've I've I have It's, it's true now.
0: You've used seen it, so it's true and there, there's someone frantically updating Wikipedia around.
1: Here. <laughs> 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 oh god, I wish I wish I was like, you know, I'd stumbled across a really rare fact. Here it was seen as like the knowledge on the fauna. <laughs>
2: the knowledge, <laughs> the knowledge. Yeah. Angela, my new the knowledge.
1: <laughs> yeah, and here's your host tonight, The Knowledge. Um, <laughs> anyway, this all took place in Washington State in Olympia in 1989. Um, so, so yeah, so she started putting on putting on gigs there, and, and really successfully so. Like I say, there was touring bands there and a real community started to to develop around this. Um, but Kathleen also interned at, at Safe Space, which was about a sort of... Um, about It was a domestic violence shelter doing crisis counselling and giving presentations at high schools on rape and sexual assault. And she started a discussion group for teenage girls... And she witnessed how supportive the girls were with each other. Um, and her band at the time wrote songs about sexual assault. And the girls in the audience at shows would often come up to Kathleen after the band had played and talk to her about um, their own stories of abuse. So I suppose with, with this story, you can kind of sort of see how these ideas of, of Riot Girl and a collective that's not just about you being in a band and singing about, about certain issues... Um, but joining people together with that and the power of that. So I suppose at the time as well what's what's important to understand is that there was loads of reports going on about how feminism was kind of over and it wasn't really necessary anymore and um it was do- and you know questions of you know it probably done more harm than good right and this this is at a time where you had um I think it was called the the green river killer who murdered like 40 odd women in Washington state. And you had that guy who went into a, a college and asked all the guys to leave the classroom and then shot nine women because he thought they were man-hating feminists. You know, it, and so for stories like that saying, you know, there are no issues against hatred, you know, misogyny doesn't exist and things like <laughs> this, just was a little bit Shop- ridiculous. Yeah, and... Um, you know in in this book girls to the front there's it details quite early on some of the crime stats against uh women at that time and you know even if you look at crime stats for today it's it's actually quite terrifying and so so it was pretty pretty ridiculous to think that that feminism was was done but it, it got a bit of a bad rap um and there was of course still a women's movement going on at that time but Kathleen didn't quite feel like she fit into to any of those those groups that were there and you know but now enter toby vale into the situation as i mentioned before the go team had played at kathleen's venue um and toby also wrote an incredible zine called jigsaw that kathleen was a huge fan of and she finally got the courage to to write some interviews and send them to toby vale to 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 basically see if she could become part of that that zine um and it wasn't long till you know obviously they shared the same sort of political views and things and a hunger to to change would go on to lead them to form the band bikini kill um which val named at the time um the whole sort of movement the re- revolution girl style now was what she she thought but um but yeah kerry i think you've got some i was I hoping you'd, you'd chime in and pretend oh that this sorry planned i want um... this bit
2: I, I was, I was waiting for you, I don't know. I wasn't sure where the moment was for me to chime in. So I was and they created sort of a
1: zine. Oh, they yes. Were ki- <laughs> there was, there was two zines mentioned.
2: Oh yes. And, I am so- the, and I'm the person who's talking about zines. So I should speak now. Cool. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I have basically focused on, um, looking into, um, zines as part of the, the kind of riot girl movement. Um, I think that it's kind of unique um, the way in which scenes contributed to it and how important they were to the scene and the role that they played. So that's why I kind of took that as a focus to um, yeah, give it the, the proper focus it needed, basically. So as um, Angela mentioned, um, it was in 1989 that um, Toby Vell published the first issue of her feminist zine Jigsaw. Um, which focused on girls in bands and had an aggressive emphasis on feminist issues but written in a conversational style. So just to kind of like demonstrate kind of what the vibe of of, of her zine sort of was um, and this kind of conversational style, I just wanted to read a tiny bit from the first um, issue of Jigsaw. So it was an article that was called There Was a Girl, She Had a Jigsaw Mind. And I've just picked a little bit out of it that um, I feel kind of like represents... Kind of what the vibe was and what it was about so um and there was this guitar class at my junior high school and this girl who was sort of a misfit the sort of misfit who got called dog face scum in grade school and sort of smelled like pee and then all of a sudden boom you're in junior high school and there she is with tons of makeup and cigarettes and boys but still not really accepted anyhow her she wanted to play guitar and she tried really hard, but she just couldn't do it. She was so frustrated. I don't think she ever got past the stage where you can't put your fingers down hard enough to stop that buzz sound, but she wanted it. I thought that was so tragic. So you just sort of like, you get the idea of how it was sort of, it's how, the way it's written in this like conversational, almost like stream mm-hmm. of consciousness style. It's all quite urgent and immediate. Um, and yeah, just talking about the reality of, of what girls... Are facing and the misfits and the people that are unappreciated and you know what's it not be able to meet what's expected of them and so yeah, yeah I just find it it's just interesting how um it's written um and like you say Kathleen Hannah um was really um impressed by by the scene I think it was she came across um, a copy of the second issue, um, particularly um, Vail's Boxes article, which was an article about a five page article about gender kind of resonated with her. So then she submitted interviews, like you said, and that was kind of the beginning of their collaboration. Um, And then that led them to end up collaborating together on a zine, which was called Bikini Kill um and was well all the members of of the band um kind of worked on it but most of the articles were written by kathleen Hanna and toby vale um and the article centered around punk rock girls in bands political and feminist issues um as well as extensive scene reports on olympia washington and san francisco news about bands such as nation of ulysses bratmobile kicking giant heavens to betsy sutra nirvana fugazi unwound um so loads and loads of bands which i think that angela's going to get into a little bit more later as well um but the kind of the the aesthetics of of these zines um and, fl- and sort of flyers and sort of all the art that kind of came around it um was all this sort of kind of cut and paste kind of photocopied vibe to it it contained spelling mistakes sharpie marker redactions gaps rough edges and last minute additions You know, nobody was using spell check, but nobody cared about it. It wasn't supposed to be perfect. There was, um, like I was saying about the style in which um, Toby Vail sort of wrote in Jigsaw, there was sort of an urgency to get the message out that was more important than perfection. Um, And that kind of also reflects in the aesthetics of what was like the politics and the music and it all kind of ties together in a way that really makes sense. Um, So part of... Riot Girl was kind of responding to the second wave feminist rejection of the word girl and kind of reclaiming it with pride, but also in parody. So this was also kind of reflected in the, the aesthetics of the zine. So kind of songs, performances and fashion statements mocked the depictions of feminine innocence and compliance served to us in the face of discrimination, exploitation and endemic sexual abuse. So these self-published scenes would use sort of like loopy cursive, hearts, stars, photo booth portraits, and kitsch images of housewives, superheroes, schoolgirls, and cheerleaders, all kind of in, combina- in combination with the offset type, handwritten letters, cultural criticism, fiction, and philosophy. So it's sort of taking these like girlish aesthetics, but kind of combining it with really serious thought and ideas um, to kind of, yeah, like reclaim this idea of girlishness and show that it wasn't, you know, that girls aren't silly, they're not weak, they're not stupid. Um, and that they've got something to say. So the the second issue of, um, the Bikini Kill zine had a couple of things in it that sort of became quite iconic. Um, so one is the famous image of, um, a leaping cheerleader with pom-poms and the bikini ki- bikini kill sweater
1: yeah
2: um if you know the image i mean yeah um, and so it sort of shows that desire to reclaim girlishness and the willingness to show sort of uncool dorky emotion um and then you've got like the ragged handwritten letters as well so it sort of is an image that is iconic because it really encapsulates the whole aesthetic of of what riot girl was trying to do um and there's also um an article in there that sort of has become known as sort of like the riot girl manifesto although I kind of feel like there's a few things that have yeah. sort of been referred to as that but I wanted to read it's quite long so I don't think I'll read it all but I was going to read a little bit of it um so because us girls crave records and books and fanzines that speak to us, that we feel included in and can understand in our own ways. So that's like what you were saying about, you know, creating these um, this community, right, that people could belong to. Because we want to make it easier for girls to see, hear each other's work so that we can share strategies and criticise, applaud each other. Because we must take over the means of production in order to create our own meanings. Because viewing our work as being connected to our girlfriends, politics, real lives is essential if we are going to figure out how we are doing impacts, we are going to figure out how what we are doing impacts, reflects, perpetuates or disrupts the status quo. Because we recognise fantasies of instant macho gun revolution as impractical lies meant to keep us simply dreaming instead of becoming our dreams and thus seek to create revolution in our own lives every single day by envisioning and creating alternatives to the bullshit Christian capitalist way of doing things because we want and need to encourage and be encouraged in the face of all our own insecurities in the face of big gut boy rock that tells us we can't play our instruments in the face of authorities who say our band scenes, etc., are the worst in the U S and because we don't want to assimilate to someone else's boy standards of what is or isn't. So it kind of goes on in that same yeah. sort of vein, but it's sort of like, you know, a call, to, a call to action. It's empowering. Um, yeah, it's all about realizing, you know our place as girls in in society and not allowing ourselves to be judged by you know boys standards yeah um and yeah creating a space for ourselves basically so i'll probably um post in the there'll definitely be a link to um, she might post a the link notes. she
1: might not it, I might you not. know, you know um, it I'm, I'm lazy
2: if we're being real so we'll see yeah. I'll, I'll see my vibes. is but um <laughs> there'll be a link and then maybe we'll do like what I was gonna say is there'll <laughs> definitely be a link but we might do like an Instagram post or something as well if we can be bothered might, that's, that, that, that's 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 the, part, that's the part that's if we can be bothered um but yeah so um that was what I kind of wanted to say about um those those scenes kind of related to um toby bell and and kathleen hannah
1: yeah so i I think you know just from this bit you can kind of see how ideas are are formulating but certainly at this stage they had no idea where riot girl would would go yeah well it wasn't even called riot girl at, at that time it was just literally the beginning of something and the need to kind of know that you know I mean, one of the things Kathleen had said at the time, and it was with all of the the, the kind of collective group that were at the start of the Riot Girl movement thing, said that it was just the need to kind of find like minded people and finding a way to find those people, and how it was actually done through fanzines. It was like messages yeah. left in bars and and trying to arrange meetups and and things like this. Um, so it really it really was such a wonderful way. To, to kind of connect and share thoughts and and, and things like this that, that you know to, to people at high school that felt that they didn't fit in, you know, this this was their community that was being built and there were some people that were kind of at the forefront of making that happen. Um, so I suppose Cassie, um, how did you how did you discover Riot girl Bands. I, I really enjoyed listening to all that. Thank you for... <laughs> oh, we, have, we haven't finished. We're just going to take a break and listen to some music because we just talked too much. But but I'm just interested as to how, how people kind of get to that, that sort of, you know, the right girl thing and discover those bands. Do you remember? Um, well, the, those
0: bands, I mean, I, I guess Bikini Kill and Huggy Bear and Bratmobile, I, I kind of loved when I was about 15, 16, But again, it was pretty a bit like here. it was slightly after the events. Yeah. Um, so I, I wasn't really conscious of the, um, the kind of UK leg of the, of the riot Girl movement, which I guess would have been about 94 ish, 93, 94.
1: I think so yeah i think i think it was kind of the mid the mid 90s that's the one bit of my research i didn't do It's like this is all talking stateside it's like
0: oh. so most of what i know about ride girl is, yeah. is from reading the same book that, that, you yeah. know, that that's, that's sarah um what's her name sarah sarah
1: sarah, sarah. marcus
0: yeah. sarah marcus there you go. uh yeah that book um and also a, a former former bandmates um Jen Donito and um, and uh, Deb, who I used to be in the Women's Institute with, were in a band called Linus, who were kind of contemporaries of um, Bratmobile and Bikini Kill. They played with those bands when they came and toured over here, um, and they were kind of very much enmeshed in in the UK. Um, right girl scene they ran mm-hmm. um there were things called post boxes kids um <laughs> to, before before the internet before yeah. instagram um you'd, you'd kind of write off to an address at the back of a fanzine if you wanted to kind of get in touch with other like-minded um riot girls around yeah. the world even um and there'd be post boxes who would direct those letters and kind of put you in touch with um pen pals basically um, and
1: it seems like so much effort <laughs> I
2: know And that's why like zines as well it, it was so important right Because this was all before the internet So that's why zines and letters and flyers And all of these things That have sort of been collected and preserved In a lot of cases yeah. um, Were exactly how they built this whole network And this scene Because yeah now we would use online To do all of that stuff But then you couldn't obviously Well, this I how know,
0: ma- it, it makes me laugh that there are uh, I mean it doesn't make me It's, it's lovely that there are uh, still people <laughs> <laughs> making making zines and kind of doing zine workshops and yeah. stuff, actually sitting there with with scissors and glue and, and making these beautiful things um Oh, there's, there's the internet that's what that's for <laughs> she's a <But, well> chimp
2: <laughs> but there's a there's a there's a part of all of us that really just wants to go back to the past isn't it and to simpler times and there is something so lovely about those things um like zines and even you know the now people are going back to vinyl and all that sort of stuff and it's because there is just something more tangible and real about it instead of just yeah the sort of um Word
1: I want I don't know though I don't know I think it sounds like a complete ball ache if I'm being honest to to <laughs> do, do that. I mean I remember
2: aren't, aren't we aren't we planning to do a zine Angela
1: <laughs> yeah that's like a special celebratory we're thing. gonna do one
2: we're not um, doing like a whole bunch do no one
1: but of- <laughs> like I, I do I do remember being in a band in the 90s and taking a load of like tapes demos and actually going to venues to drop them off to promoters or wherever their offices were or, or whatever, and then having to phone people and leave the messages. to, to On, just on put, the landline. Um, yeah, yeah, to to get a gig, right? And, you know, I just think that's, cra- that's such a crazy amount of effort. Like, the internet has made, you have no idea how much easier it is to promote shows now. They don't period. know they're born, these kids, do they? they don't know, no, they, they don't. They really <laughs> don't, Cassie.
2: I'm, 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 I'm going to stay real quiet right now, <laughs> considering what my age was in but, the 90s. <laughs> you know,
1: but the thing is, even, even the early That I met, this me and Laura Mary from Blood Red Shoes um, became friends. We met at a kind of riot girl group, and I, ha- I have no idea how I even found out about, this group because i showed up and i didn't know anyone there yeah. she didn't either and um it's how we became we became friends she was in a band called um i think it was called calamity jane at the time i may have completely made that up but it was a different it was the band before she met steve and yeah a lot of what i do with loud women
0: is kind of based on the idea of it being a more grown-up riot girl it's like what yeah. what's happened to the riot girls when they've they've grown up and they've Got kids, <laughs> yeah. but they're still in bats. Yeah. Um, so we, we we have a an easing because yeah. um, I'm not sitting there with with scissors and glue <laughs> when there's Mailchimp that will do yeah. that for me. Uh-huh. Um, but um, but th- that's very much the the ethos is kind of creating a, a community where where women can come together and, and talk yeah. about issues that that are relevant to them um and also just have a go you know that kind of yeah you know, that diy ethos of, of riot girl is like you know you want to be in a band but you can't play an in- instrument you know fuck it do it anyway you know play yeah. the studio, play, you know, whatever comes to hands pots and pans <laughs> just get up on stage and, and give it a go um and that's very much how i play the bass <laughs> 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 just you know do it anyway because it's uh
1: it's making a statement. <laughs> Back to Loud Women Fest, actually. Do Do you want to play us another another track by someone who's on the bill? Oh,
0: okay. Um, who else we got?
1: Uh, how about
0: Jen? Um, uh, what's their track called?
1: Um, oh, this is this is a great song. This uh, is great. Do, this one, Do Do it,
0: Dance.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Abs- absolute dance floor filler. With a chorus that you can just shout along to, and like pump your fist in the air if you're drunk. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that's a great song. Okay, so let's let's listen to that one. Wow.
0: That was Jen with Do Do... No, it's not Do Do Dance. I said it wrong before. It's Do Da Dance.
1: It's, good. it's a good song. It's a really, really good, fun song. I love it. The choppy chords in it is so catchy. Shall we shall we crack on with Right Girl? I'm not going to talk all night, I promise. She might. This.
2: It's always a but, risk. Um,
1: so we talked a little bit about Bikini Kill and the beginning of, of Right Girl from from that point of view, but they certainly weren't the only people involved in, in this sort of, you know, something that was kind of bubbling under the surface and about to spill spill over. So enter Bratmobile, who um, was started by Alison Wolfe and Molly Newman. And they felt inspired by things that were happening in the scene, from bands springing up all over the place, that kind of, you know, people sort of starting to talk about things that were political and getting angry things that were actually important to them, um, they started to see zines being passed around. One such zine was Toby Vale's scene that they read and felt quite inspired by. And actually happened to, to get to chat to Toby, who suggested that they write their own scene and form their own band. And that's that's one of the great things about um, this movement. And also, also, you know, I mean, I think, you know, even today of grassroots thing, there was no kind of that was our idea to to create a zine and to talk about this stuff so you can't do that it was literally about trying to inspire people to get up and say something and do something because they wanted to regardless of their musical ability um and, yeah and I, th- just I think to encourage women you know yeah
2: i think very specifically that was a part of it right to not have this idea of competition so there's another flyer um that um that i found which is another sort of manifesto thing which i won't read but we'll to do a post about or something um, but on there one of the things that it says is figure out how the idea of competition winning and losing fits into your intimate relationships and decide that you'd rather be happy than be right all the time yeah
1: that, that
2: second no. one I, that second one I felt applies quite specifically to you and me Angela but
1: um... <laughs> I'm always right Kerry I'm always mm, right
2: are you though <laughs>
1: how, how, how often i have never
2: very barely, barely. <laughs> Whenever Angela As, says whenever Angela says I'm right about something, I'm like, uh
1: sorry, what what was that, Angela? Can you just uh just repeat that one for me? I'm surprised you haven't like got a key and carved it into the wall. So you've got like little notches on how many times you're right.
2: Maybe I do. You seem you don't to be don't know. keeping
1: count, yeah. You don't yeah. know. I've
2: got a tally yeah. somewhere. It's tattooed on my body, <laughs> I won't tell you where.
1: <laughs> I don't I really don't want to know. So anyway, Alison and Molly did start their own zine and um, this was sort of by the end of their sophomore year was when their first version of their zine came out, which was called um, Girl Germs. And they talked about um, themselves at the time that they were in this band and they were going off to do this and they were going to write songs about that. But they actually took quite a while to actually form a band properly. But they talked about it for a very, very long time. But the, the Girl Germs zine was very, very popular and very, very important to, to Riot girl.
2: Yeah, exactly. So the the zine came before, the zine Girl Germs came before they be, sort of became a band and um, it identified feminist role models in its early issues and was actually one of the few Riot girl zines created by young white women to feature African-American rappers, which I thought was a random and interesting fact, which I want to talk yeah. about a little bit more later, sort of this sort of potential issue and criticism of of riot girl where it was seen as being quite white and a middle class but um the first issue of girl germs was completed um by december 1990 um while home in washington dc on winter break uh newman made several hundred copies of the zine at capitol hill offices at the capitol hill offices of arizona representative mo Udel i don't how to pronounce that who she had worked for during high school. Um, So I have um, a quote from Alison Wolfe about the, the zine. So she said, We started the fanzine before we started playing music or did the band. It was a good way to have a voice when we didn't have any other means at the time. We didn't really know what we were doing, but it was fun. It had scene reports and a lot of it was a reaction to grunge, which had completely taken over the Northwest and was too male dominated. We wanted to have a girly voice.
1: The zine came before um before the band. But that so the two couldn't really play instruments but decided to learn. And their first show was actually with Bikini Kill and it was booked for them, um, and it was to kind of give them a push to actually write some songs because they talked about it for so long. And so they, they kind of stressed about this this gig coming up and they still hadn't written any songs and then very, very quickly they'd written five songs and the the way that the gig was talk talked about was it was really exciting, but also really an interesting experience of seeing a band that had literally just been born. Like They didn't really know what they were doing, how they wanted to present themselves or, or anything like that. And, and that's not really that important. The important part was the fact of they got up on stage. There was nothing about you know um, whether they could play or not that was important. It was just this really sort of landmark moment for two people that had talked about something for a very long time and then just giving it a go. And it actually caught quite a few people's attention. It didn't matter that they they weren't, like, I don't know, well rehearsed and ready and polished. That was not the point of them as a band. And one of the people in the audience who felt really inspired by this was Corinne Tucker. And Corinne had met um, Alison from the band at YMCA Camp and the pair had sort of stayed in touch. Um, anyway, so a bit more about Corinne later. But, uh, yeah, so the aforementioned gig, there was someone called Slim Moon at that show who approached them to be on a compilation album. He wanted to put together something that was called Kill All Rockstars, and it was a bit of an experiment that would go on to, to become a record company in the not-too-distant future. And a lot of labels were actually um, created at this time that supported the kind of riot girl movement in that way. So it was all sort of like I wish I'd sort of could show a sort of visual, almost like the L-word of how all the lesbians are connected. <laughs> um it's almost like how Riot Girl, like always people, and this person met that and that person was in the audience and this one wrote yeah. fans like a zine and and they started a record label. Just how all of these sort of things kind of came together at the same at the same well near near enough the same time. Um yeah, so it I've lost my notes now. Here we go. I'm almost almost oh you know I'm such a numpsy. This is this is what I've done, haven't I, right? So my next bit in this story, it goes, so my notes is like, right girl story continues. No shit, Sherlock, it's page three. <laughs> right. Um then I've put Erin Insert surname And Christina (laughs) And I haven't said their surnames Right So so if um, You know, so if you know the name They became the other members of Bratman It's
0: it's Erin Smith I know that one It's
1: not even like a difficult name Is it (laughs) What was was the other name, Christine Christina, I've probably got that wrong She was probably called something else uh Christina Bellot. Yes, that's yeah, that sounds that sounds right. I should have just said, you know, Erin that styled out, but I just But you yeah, didn't. I just got I didn't know. Anyway, they became the other members of Bratmobile, did you know? Um and it was at this point that Alison and Molly were thinking that Bratmobile should be a sort of franchise band where they could create like different regional branches of the band. So I suppose with that point, the reason I put that in is that you can kind of see where Wright, that whole movement's inspiration was not just one person. The fact that Wright Girl would go on to have different kind of chapters, the same as then Lady Fest and you know that that idea of doing that with a band is is really really quite a cool idea, which then kind of went into a bigger a bigger um, part of well, the that's... whole.
2: That but sort I'll of scene, that sort of happened with Loud Women as well, hasn't it? That sort of. We've got
0: chapters in New York and LA, and I think the LA chapter includes um, Alison Wolfe of Pickleville. <gasps> oh, wow. That's um, she,
3: amazing. She, she came That's over
0: so cool. She came over and she played a Loud Women gig in London um, with a, a kind of put together band, I think. Um, but yeah, she she's still playing music in. Um, In LA, I think her band's called Sex Stains or X Stains. Maybe X Stains was the follow-on from Sex Stains. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I think someone left, and then it became X Stains. Um, But uh, but yes, we've got uh, New York and and LA and Canada and Australia and uh, where else? Ireland that's really mm-hmm. exciting I've got my eye on Chicago next nice, nice.
1: <laughs> yeah. that's that's that is honestly really really cool that you know again it's something that started with with a person's idea and then branches out across across the globe and sort of brings a whole community of people together just yeah. so
0: easy now to to yeah. talk to bands that are that are in other countries or, you know, even to arrange yeah. gigs that are in completely different continents and
1: yeah.
0: you know, and to do interviews with bands around the world. But you know, how on earth did did people do
1: that in, in the nineties with pieces of paper? It's it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um but enter Jen Smith, um not related to Erin from Brack they said the same or related
2: to me who also has the same surname. Ah, Kerry Smith. Made up
1: name, that one. (coughs) Um, What? (laughs) Kerry Smith,
2: in air quotes.
1: Uh, But Jen Smith is an artist, musician, zine editor, an activist from the United States. Um, Smith reached... Sorry, reached? Smith reacted to the violence of the Mount Pleasant race riots in the spring of 1991, by um prophetically writing in a letter to Alison Wolf, saying this summer's going to be the the kind of girl riot so you know she kind of coined almost you know you can almost say that she was the person who came up with the idea of riot girl but not but not quite but she was so sort of inspired to get in touch with Alison about that and the two they, they became friends um but some people have stated that that's not what she said at all. And it, it was like she'd written saying, we need to start a girl riot. Either way, it doesn't really matter. The word girl and riot was used in a sentence in some way, <laughs> shape or form. <laughs> and so therefore I think you counts. can give her that. You can give her that, right? Okay. So in the summer of 1991, Alison Molly... Kathleen and Jen Smith created a new weekly mini-zine, something that would be handed out at shows and make connections with other girls who lived in the sort of DC area. The zine was called Riot Girl and it was a blend of Jen's Riot Girl kind of thing that she'd say, not Riot Girl, but Girl Riot phrase that she came up with and Toby Vale's spelling of girl with the G-R-R-L. So,
2: enter Riot girl. Exactly. So, um, so Yeah. Um, it was a weekly publication. Um, the first issue established content that was going to be that was passionate but practical, capturing the frustration of the time and the appeal of a new feminist counterculture. It, uh, there was sort of a casually written but serious statement in the first issue, um, a statement of intent that talks about the general lack of girl power in society and the punk rock underground specifically. Um, And it promised that the mini zine would keep readers updated on the developing girl scenes coming events. And it also said that maybe we'll spotlight one or two special girls who make our lives a little easier to stand. So each cover featured a comic character or photo of an iconic woman. Um, the zine covered the events happening in the scene surrounding Bratmobile and Bikini Kill um, and both Kathleen Hannah and Toby Bell regularly contributed to the zine as well. All of these zines were very collaborative with lots of people sort of contributing content. Mm-hmm. Um, many of the articles were printed anonymous- anonymously and the zine was done in kind of the cut and paste punk style that, that most of them were. Um, Short pieces were featured, some were essays, some intensely personal and others manifestos, um, as well as feminist critiques of the punk scene and women's place in society in general. And one thing that I found really interesting through doing this research was this thing of these like intensely personal kind of articles and features Mm. that were were often in these zines um because i kind of i mean it's one of one of those things that we always say when we do this podcast if it's things that you thought you thought you knew about but you didn't really know about until you looked into it um and yeah the zines would often describe experiences with sexism mental illness body image eating disorders sexual abuse racism rape discrimination stalking domestic violence incest homophobia um you know, young women basically use the zines to share these intensely personal stories. And even though the zines were made to be shared, you know, they were intended to be photocopied and distributed and shared around as much as possible. So, you know, they were sharing these really personal stories often with strangers, but it still somehow felt sort of private and intimate and almost like an extension of a diary, but one with witnesses who had perhaps shared your experience so it was sort of this, because it was distributed within this kind of safe space of people who you felt safe sharing these experiences with in this community, it sort of created this bizarre sort of safe and privately public space, yeah. um, which then also sort of extended out to the meetings. Yeah. So by issue three um, of Riot Girl, it was sort of time to row and to make it more than just the initial group who had been involved um so flyers were handed out and the word was spread um and the first meeting was held on the 24th of july 1991 um which was basically kind of the first ever riot girl meeting um and people were asked what they wanted from the meeting um and some people wanted to share experiences to listen to each other help one another They're ready to collectively revolt over things, against things like being groped, catcalling, homophobia, domestic violence, rape and sexual assault. Um, And so, you know, like I say, it sort of started off with people contributing these stories and talking about these things and these ideas in the zines. And then it developed into people actually meeting up um, and discussing these things. And then, you know, the scene sort of building further outwards from that. Um, so from that point, the zine would then contain information about those early girl uh, riot girl meetings um, that were first held in D.C. Um, and all about the the ideas that they were formulating that would soon result in this sort of widespread movement. It's pretty it's
1: pretty impressive. And yeah. um, this is where I'm going to um, pretend to put on my glasses and read from a book. You know, talking about that first riot girl meeting is really important and about man- manifestos and, and things like this, but. Um, in the book, it does talk about, um, you know, at that meeting that Kathleen sort of offered the closest thing to a sort of vision statement for what right girl is. So I'm just going to read a snippet of it because I think it sums it up quite quite nicely. I've had so many people come to me with stories of sexual abuse and being battered by their parents People talking about sexual abuse and getting beat up and emotional abuse in their houses is so important, and making bands around that issue is, to me, the new punk rock. Sorry, and it can be the new punk rock, and I want to encourage people to break their silence. She went on to say, "I'm really interested in a punk rock movement, an angry girl movement, a sexual abuse of, of sexual abuse survivors. I seriously believe." It's a majority of people in this country have stories to tell that aren't telling for some reason or another. I mean, with all that energy and anger, if we could unify in some way, that would be powerful. And I think that's what it is, is that women in, in a movement sort of sense to make change and to use music um, to really amplify that vo- voice is so important. It goes back to the beginning of this when, you know, Cathy um, Acker said as in, well, if, you know, if you've got something to say and you want to be heard... Use music to do that, and it's something over the decades and centuries. Music has been such a powerful tool to to bring a message to the masses of people. Like we did a show on protest songs and and the power of those, and um "Strange Fruit" and and and, and all sorts of songs that have, have been so important over the years. And, and this this is a movement that was doing ex- exactly that. It was wasn't just one protest song; it was a collective of women's voices coming together to amplify as one anyway um should we should we listen to some new music so we're almost at the end of the end of the beginning of riot girl so i think we should listen to some some more more music to break it up a bit who else have you got cassie oh, I, I, I was just gonna say one one
0: thing i mean yeah, it, it kind of listening to to what you just said there it, it kind of really made me think of like the me too movement and um and mm. stuff that we're, that we're all still talking about yeah. now and that that women are still fighting for now mm-hmm. and um you know and you know and, and voices that haven't been that weren't heard in in the 90s as well black voices yeah. Yeah. trans voices are, are kind of getting heard as well now um, and it's it's almost kind of feel like you know what what were those voices fighting for? Do, do you feel that that Riot mm. Girl actually achieved what it set out to to do? I think
1: I think it kind of well. That's the thing. I think with you know every single mo- and I hate saying every single movement because they're all part of the same movement that's just kind of evolved in in different in different ways. It's all about you know women's rights equality I've read whole lists of things out um, already so I don't want to just keep repeating them but we should, still shouldn't be having these conversations but what what happens with things like you know the punk movement right girl and things like this is is it re-emerges that conversation things like me too and brings it back to the fore and does it fix everything no it doesn't but if it's inspired a few more people if it's changed a few more attitudes it's a positive thing that happens, and who knows what the next the next shape of that movement would be. But I mean, certainly, with you know Black Lives Matter, um, and when we did the protest um, song episode, Kerry covered "Strange Fruit" by Billie Holiday, and that was back in 1939, and you know that was before the civil rights movement, obviously, and and the fact that you look back to that and and the lynching, and absolutely disgusting things that were happening to people in america at that time and then you fast forward today and you go how could these things still be happening things have, have moved on in some ways but, but not not enough yeah and not, not just, to it, the extent that it, yeah. they should
2: have done and it is it does seem to be that these things seem to be sort of cyclical right and it's sort of i yeah. don't know it it seems like it's not possible for us to handle them all at the same time right so at different times it seems like different aspects of it seem to come to the fore and be the focus and maybe at every time that happens we take some sort of tiny step forwards but then it sort of comes it moves away again and something else comes but I do think that overall we are hopefully taking positive steps but it is just feel it does feel like it's painfully slow and I I totally um was feeling the same thing through doing this research and and reading about it Mm. and looking at it and being like I feel like in so many ways we haven't really moved forwards from that point. We're still you know having those conversations, trying to establish those safe spaces, trying to mm. make things better and yeah, how is it still such a problem, you know, decades later? Cuz it must have
0: felt like such a, a revolutionary time to mm, yeah, to, to be part of the riot girl movement and and to to be of going out there and getting on stage and, and saying we're not taking your shit anymore. This is you know we're we're speaking up about abuse and, yeah. and we're 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 you know passing the mic to our sisters. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's like thirty years on.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But then at the same time, I suppose we're all where we are doing what all of what we do because of that to an extent. You know that sort of laid the way for what for what we're doing now. And then you know we hopefully aim to to take it forwards the next step i think what you do with loud women is a part of that i think what angela does with croco land is a part of that you know it's all about i think yeah i think that we are building our own scenes now and trying to you know move it forwards it however we can really the the future is it's podcasting that's (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah well yeah and exactly and talking about it on this podcast you know this is again the fact that we're talking about it on here we're trying to you know get people to think about it to to discuss it and you know i think that's all part of it that's all you you know yeah
1: but let's listen to something really really cool let's listen to something inspiring what have you got for us
0: uh would it be a terrible moment to put on some i doris
2: fantastic moment to put on some i doris
0: dance <laughs> <laughs> there is actually a dance that goes with this one. Yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I just really like the idea of, of getting getting people to do a, a dance routine and uh, the rest of my band hate it when I do this but it works every time everyone wants to do the, the dance yeah I think it's, it's like, brilliant yeah <laughs> Um, and I can kind of feel my bandmates either side of me just kind of cringing away (laughs) don't make them dance no they're just here to sit to music
2: um
0: but yeah everyone always likes to do the dance
2: and also anything that you can do to make your other bandmates cringe is always good times so I think I think so
1: too but it's 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 really catchy. I love the kind of like swishing of the synths and the guitar stuff of the war. It's it's so catchy, Cassie. Oh, that's,
0: that's Lucy's guitar. Oh sorry, Doris's. Oh, it's a key- oh, guitar. She plays she plays a guitar. It's it's the most spectacular instrument. It's it just can make any
2: noise at all. We we really really want to make Grace play a guitar.
1: Oh dear. So we've we've been talking about Riot Girl and where it all began um, on today's episode. So we're coming to the end. As I said the end of the beginning, um, and what I suppose with this, what we wanted to do is kind of touch on what the important parts were that that kind of meant that Right Girl became into to what we know it as, and where those those different things came from. So you know, from Kathleen Hannah's experience of you know if you want your voice to be heard, forming a band, um, to the kind of the whole art and political statements that she was interested in making at that time to then you know people picking up guitars and just playing their first gig without having really learnt those instruments but but just giving it a go anyway to to then you know people talking about their experiences and realizing that this was a whole support network and so what one thing that i wanted to kind of mention I was going to read... Oh, no, I did read it already. I'm not going to read it again. I was going to read the (laughs) Kathleen... (laughs) Don't read it again. again. Don't read it again. I won't read it again. I won't read it again. Okay. No, so I suppose the the next thing I wanted to talk on, talk on, talk about, was another key moment in Riot Girl history that happened in 1991. That was just such a key year for the birth of this movement. And... One of the things that was really important at the time was in a concert that was called the International Pop Underground Convention that was organised by independent record label K Records, which um, would go on to put out music by some of the right girl bands and make compilations and, and things like this. It was quite an important label. And that convention was, I think it was like a five-day event. And they had one evening, which was on a Tuesday, that was known as um Girl Night, which right now kind of makes me cringe that there was something called Girl Night, like something set aside for girl. But yeah, yeah, anyway. But it was called Girl Night, and it had a number of bands on there, of which teenage girls Corinne Tucker and Tracy Sawyer um played, and they called themselves Um Heaven to Betsy. So another important group from from the the Riot Girl. Um, birth and they were inspired to form from seeing Bikini Kill and Bratmobile play live, especially Bratmobile because Bratmobile was so kind of like you know not trained musicians, not the Bikini Kill were either. But by the time they saw that band, they were a bit more kind of skilled and sure of what they were doing, um and a lot bigger. Where Bratmobile were kind of just throwing this thing together that was quite beautiful and magical, and it inspired it inspired others to you know to do the same, and you know Corin. Corinne Tucker would, would go on by the mid-90s to form Sleeta Kinney with Carrie Bernstein. And that's sort of like a whole story in itself, so I'm not gonna go into that. But um I suppose what I'm trying to say is that at that moment there are a lot of like kind of key women in music in bands that are still huge today, that are still inspiring women, that all came from that one year and were all connected in some way. I mean, even Carrie was in a band that played on a compilation that was put out um, by K Records, and she was in a band called Excuse 17. Now, you can imagine what I'd originally written in here, East 17, but she wasn't <laughs> in East 17, but Excuse 17. Oh, I wish, um, I wish you'd said East 17. That would have made my night. Excuse 17,
3: yeah,
0: and it would have been brilliant. It was have it been that, brilliant. That's the moment to say, did you know that the original name of East 17 was Excuse 17?
1: <laughs> I, I thought that was a real fact and i was gonna go no fucking way that is that's that's such a coincidence let's, let's, let's just don't, see don't, don't. how many
0: false wikipedia entries we can, <laughs> yeah. we can listen make
1: with
2: this podcast that's what this podcast is really about that's the whole <laughs> aim of it in reality
1: <laughs> rewriting history in an amusing way um so basically, from 1990 to 1991, Bright Girls' foundations had been laid and, are growing, and were growing in numbers, leaping across continents and inspiring girls across the planet to stand up, shout out, join together, form bands, create arcs. Arc? Arcs? Like Noah's arcs, in case there was ever a flood. No, that's not what they did. Create art, talk and listen to each other. And it didn't end there. You know, skip ahead to the year 2000s, and that was the first ever Ladyfest event, and that was held in the states, and there was about two thousand people that attended that. And I think um, who played that? The Gossip played the the first the first one of those, and that was created by you know Kinney and a few other key people that had been involved in the early Riot Girl years. And and I, I don't really want to go too much into Ladyfest because we've got a guest in a few weeks' time who specifically wants to. Talk about that, so I won't go into much detail on that. But Lady was a community-based, not-for-profit global music and arts festival for sort of feminist and, and, and female artists. Anyone could create a chapter and hold an event, it was run by volunteers and it usually featured a combination of bands, musical groups, performance artists, authors, spoken word and visual artists. There was films, there was lectures and art exhibitions and workshops. And just this network of people that would join together. Someone put a shout out saying that they wanted to create a Ladyfest event and anyone could get involved and they'd have volunteer meetings, and that's how how that 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 was kind of created. But yeah, so that, that was our little toe dipping into the world of Right Girl and where it all began. And we've got a number of shows um, over the coming months, as we're probably gonna go back into lockdown and have nothing else to do. That um, we'll, we'll talk in a bit more detail about some some of these some of these bands and like i say we've got some other exciting guests coming up on the show unless they cancel uh which hopefully they they won't but uh i don't know why i said that so negative so negative, yeah. negative Nancy. yeah negative nancy ending off on a negative note god right well anyway yeah so that was that was um right girl and i suppose. Well, if I say I suppose one more time, I've noticed you I do keep you do that. say
2: I suppose a lot. I've noticed that.
1: I, oh, it's like a tick. It's a nervous mm. tick. Just, I suppose. I suppose. God, I wonder if I can go back and just cut, edit cut, edit out all words. the I supposes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you want to spend your time doing that, Angela,
1: you go right ahead. I'm gonna promise myself. I'm gonna have a I suppose jar on my desk for the next episode. And I'm gonna put. Fifty pence in.
2: I was wondering how much you were going to go for fifty pence.
1: Actually, I don't really use money anymore. I, I wouldn't have fifty. I, have have I like don't really that. use I have to money keep
2: anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's just a keep weird car
1: <laughs>
0: It's just a, a plaything in in our house. My my kid was walking around yeah. with a bag full of of loose change. I like literally carried a yeah. carry bag, and he was just kind of swinging it about as a bit of a weapon to hit his brother with. So <laughs> that's possibly the best use for for pocket change at the moment.
1: I like how Beth um defines paying for something. Right, she's got this basket full of random toys, and she. She likes to pretend to be a shopkeeper. She, she's like, you know, what would you like with her hands? And it's like, I'd like this. No, I don't have that. I have this instead. And you say to her, how much is that? And she's like, two months. <laughs> two months. She's like, two months of what? Like <laughs>
2: Two months of your salary. <laughs> yeah.
1: Three minutes. That's three minutes. <laughs> <It's>
2: like, okay.
1: <laughs> she, bless her. She's, she's not even three, uh, you know. Oh, she knows time is precious Yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yes, yeah, she's funny She's funny So I think all there is that's left to say Is thanks to everyone that keeps tuning in Every single week to listen to The show or even spot listens It's all really important to us So thank you for listening And thanks Cassie for coming on the show If you are listening and you do have A story or a song that you want us to play Please do drop us an email At Rock, pop, rambles at gmail.com well i think i think what we'll, we'll probably do is end off on i think you've got one more track haven't you so
0: this last one is another um amazing act who um she's playing loud i'm year. this is miri and this is her take on cindy lauper's girls just want to have fun come on.
5: So we